0: I am joined by Jilly De Silva, Mending Hearts founder. Welcome to The Divorce Social. <laughs>
2: Lovely to be here anyway.
0: <laughs> well, you're very welcome. Um, mm. You are divorced. How do you feel when I say that to you?
2: I feel great, actually. Yeah, it's been a bit, bit of a process, Um, very stressful. And yeah, my divorce was finalised back in November last year. So yeah, I feel very happy, very free and very relieved.
0: Amazing. I think our divorces were finalised at a similar time. Look at us yeah, living way. the freedom life. <laughs> <laughs> I, haven't,
2: I haven't managed to celebrate it yet, but you know, it does take a while, doesn't it, to come through. And then all that time you think, right, you know, I'm going to plan my divorce party, but then You know, we went straight into lockdown and um, no, I I didn't manage to have a party, but maybe I will do sooner.
0: I was going to say, how did you celebrate? Because we've had some people on the podcast who love the idea of a divorce party and other people who are like, oh, I don't know if it's something you should celebrate, but you, are you planning the divorce party?
2: When my divorce came through, I took a trip to Madeira with my new boyfriend and it's funny because my case was picked up by accident by somebody else because it was similar to theirs and i was a bit stressed over that and then we just decided oh, we'll have to come back to the airport the following day to pick it up but as we were getting into the hired car an email came through from my lawyer saying that i was finally divorced so that was that was quite nice that was a it was a nice relief and um we just went and um, had a really lovely long lunch and Lots of gin and tonics (laughs) and wine.
0: Yeah. no nice.
2: so i did i did celebrate and it was with my my new love so that was
0: really nice in Madeira as well that's a great yeah. place to celebrate
2: i know <laughs> yeah so yeah I, I, I so i got to celebrate yeah
0: but at the time you weren't sure if you were gonna get your suitcase back and if you had any pants for the rest of the holiday
2: oh it was a nightmare you know when you just like <laughs> the stress of it all all like you know bought some new outfits in there especially when you're you know you're you you have a new boyfriend you know you buy all nice lingerie and nice dress and stuff and that's all that was going through in my mind you know what if I don't get my case back all that money I've spent on all those clothes but yeah I mean that that was just like the least of my my worries you know but you know as so, soon as my divorce came through I was like yeah you know thank, thank goodness and it was such a relief because it, it's 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 quite traumatic you know I know people that are just going through it now and I just really feel for them I really do it's a it's a painful process but you know there's There's some good at the end of it, you know, as long as you can get through it, which we all do, you know, it's it's a nice feeling once,
0: once it's over. Important question before we go on to the full story of your divorce. Did you get your fancy lingerie back or did you? I did. Okay. Yeah.
2: (laughs) I did. I got the case back the following day. Yeah.
0: And did you make the most of the fancy lingerie when you got it? Of course I,
2: of course I did. (laughs) (laughs) Excellent. Absolutely. I'm a new woman now, you know. (laughs)
0: <laughs> and well I just needed to clear that up because I'm sure yeah. everyone was wondering before we kick into full divorce mode so do you want to take us back to um your breakup and where you were how long ago that was how it came about if you want to delve into that
2: so um it all started falling apart in 2017 my husband was working with a singer and he's working on this new project and he was spending a lot of time with her. And I thought it was a bit unusual because normally, you know, if he spends time with singers, it's quite normal for him to spend time with singers. But um, he would kind of involve me because I used to be his manager as well. So, you know, they would go for it, like after studio drinks. I'd always be, be invited. But with this particular person, I didn't get the invite. Um, And there was a time that he was working solidly for like 14 days. And I was just getting a bit suspicious because normally he would always call in, you know, say, oh, you know, what do you need? Anything picking up from the supermarket? You know, that that kind of general um, chat that you have with your partners. So for 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 fortnight, this this wasn't happening. And I was getting a bit worried, a bit suspicious, like, oh, you know, you're spending a little bit more, a little bit too much time with this person. And he would just shrug it off. And he'd be like, you know, making fun of me, like tickle me. He'd say, oh, you're just a little bit jealous. And I'm like, no, I'm actually a bit concerned, really. You know, I just want you to be at home a bit more, you know, spend a bit more time with us. So anyway, that carried on. And um, my suspicions just started growing. He's He wasn't coming home till like 3am in the morning. He's not a massive drinker. And then I'd be like, you know, I'd bring it up again. And then... I said, you know, I said, please come home, you know, after the studio at least. And he wouldn't. He just carried on, carried on, carried on. So I decided to look into her Instagram account, As You Do. And I just started finding all these, like, events that they were going to. Now, my husband, every time he goes somewhere or does something, he always checks in with me, always did. He was flying off to Hong Kong. He's flying off to Bangkok, Thailand. He was going to a concert. Yeah, and he he wasn't saying you know, normally he would say, Oh, I'm going to work with this person, I'm going I you know, I'm having to fly to Hong Kong or wherever it is, I'm going to work with this person. Anyway, that wasn't happening. And my my suspicions just grew and grew and grew. And that's when the gaslighting came in. You know, I was then being paranoid, you know, I'm being paranoid, I'm going crazy. Um, we started saying the same things to to the kids, saying, Oh, your mum's going crazy, you know. My friends were convinced by him. You know, my kids were convinced by him. I just knew that this was not my husband. I knew that there was something wrong and I was very upset and hurt um, at this this change in him. I guess it's um, what they call the midlife crisis he was going through. So as all this was happening, I was flying back and forwards to Lisbon because I wanted to buy a second family home. And now I look back and I, I understand why he was never interested in... Buying a second home. He didn't come to one of the viewings with me. You know, my friend would fly over for my beta. She'd come and, you know, you want a second opinion before you make a big purchase, right? I didn't have that support from him at all. So this carried on and on and on and on and on. And um, gosh, I think about 10 months in total. And then one morning I just woke up and I just thought, you know what, I can't deal with this anymore. Something's not right. I can't, I, I don't have proof, but I know something's not right and I cannot be at home crying every night, crying in the morning, um, being suspicious of what he's doing. I started going through his, like, statements and, like, you know, all this paper. I've never done that, and I don't want to be that sort of person to do that. The evidence was in front of me, you know. And so I just woke up one morning in Lisbon. I thought, like, you know what, I can't do this anymore. I really can't. And I was just so upset. I I just cried nonstop all day. I was grieving for my husband. And I knew that I had to get him out of the house, you know, be argued a little bit. Eventually he decided to, to leave and that was it. And so from there on, I was, you know, it, it, I was crying every day, you know, I was really hurt. I couldn't see, you know, a way out of, you know, this darkness that I was in. I can't explain it any, you know, and yeah, it was, it was darkness. I just wanted the pain to go away. And I just thought, well, I've got, I've got a few choices here. I either you know, stay at home, feel sorry for myself. I then, you know, grow bitter towards him and, you know, bitter towards men in general, or I get up and do something about this and do something for myself and make myself feel better. So that's what I did. I thought, like, you know, for all these years, I've put so much time into my family, my kids, him, put them first. And I never spent much time on myself. And um, so I decided to be really selfish and really reckless. And I thought, so um I then, you know, decided to go on big shopping sprees, I went to Selfridges, I bought some sex, you know, shopping in Agent for you know, spending like hundreds of pounds of
0: on sexy lingerie. It's interesting because I think I had a similar thing of I got a bit reckless after my divorce. So it's really interesting to talk to you about this. Why do you think shopping was your go-to and what feeling, because I am a bit of a shopaholic also, what feeling does it give you?
2: It gave me freedom. I could spend whatever I wanted. I wanted to feel sexy. You know, he was like having this affair with this young 30-year-old, you know, and there's me like in my mid-40s, you know. I just wanted to feel good about myself. I didn't want to feel like a, a wife or a mother. So you know, the, for me, it was about feeling be, being feeling good about myself. Like you know, the shopping spree, you know, sp- spending a fortune on designer clothes, and then it tipped into like, you know, I was going out every night. Obviously, I needed to go. <laughs> I needed to wear all this stuff, so <laughs> I was going out all night. And then it was like, oh luxury holidays you know I haven't seen my friend in Ibiza I, I haven't seen a friend like in New York or I haven't seen my friends so I wanted I've got friends all over the world and I wanted to go travel all over the world and and see my friends and then I wanted to go to Mykonos I've never been to Mykonos so I spent like eight ten grand on a holiday to Mykonos for five days or something yeah it, it, it was fun um I ate a lot I drank far too much. And I look back on some of the videos, like, like, especially in Greece and I just like put on so much weight, you know, although I was really happy and like drunk and silly and whatever, something wasn't right inside. Obviously I was literally running away from it. I didn't want to be at home crying and feeling sorry for myself. So this was my way of healing and just running away from it all. And I did this for A good 11 11 months I did this. You know, I went to New York. I was on the apps, dating apps. My friend got me on the dating app. I met some guy in New York. um, And then he flew over to London to see me a couple of weeks later. And then I flew over to LA to see him. And that was all a bit of fun. But I just came back from LA and I was like, this is not really what I want. You know, this is, what am I doing? I had, obviously, had a few flings in between what we call a DFF. I'm sure I can tell you this. A DFF. Do you know what a DFF is?
0: I'm assuming D stands for dick.
2: No. Oh, divorce fuck frenzy. We call
0: it. <laughs> <laughs> I love that.
2: Uh, yeah, exactly. My friend, my friend said that to me when she, when I was going through that period. She's like, "You're just going through your DFF, your divorce fuck frenzy," and I was. I
0: call mine my sexual explosion, where I just right. had a lot of sex and went out a lot. But I like that DFF. It sounds a little bit like the sofa sellers (laughs) where, you know, that advert where they all sit on the sofa (laughs) and their legs fly up in the air. And it's a bit like that, I suppose, my DFF. So I just want to talk a little bit more about that time, because obviously you say it was like you were running away from something. Mm. And I can definitely relate to that. Now, looking back at my DFF, I'm like, yeah, (laughs) I was covering up for something. But at the same time, I had a lot of fun. Did you? Do you look back fondly? Oh my
2: god, yeah. I, mean, I don't regret any of it. Absolutely, no, I don't regret any of it. And it was good, you know. It was quite liberating to, you know, to kind of kick them out of your bed. You know, like you know, you know, you know that you don't want to see them. Well, give them the wrong number. You know, like you know, they ask for your number, you just give somebody else's number. You know, that's quite, I. I felt really good about that. I loved it. I loved being in the control. I really did.
0: I think there is something about that control, yeah. isn't there? Mm. Of like. Well, no, I'm in charge now. So I'm just going to go out and be really impulsive and just be in charge of me. And, and I, you know, you saying about giving them the wrong number or kicking them out of your bed. I definitely (laughs) did. I was like, we've had (sighs) sex now leave. I don't want you to stay the night, but I look back and I think maybe I was a little bit cutthroat and I was a little bit only thinking about my feelings and maybe not those other people's feelings. Because of what I was going through. And I think I was very upfront with the whole, I was like, we're just having sex to have sex, okay? This isn't gonna be a relationship. But yeah, looking back, I think I was a little bit harsh.
2: It does make you harsh. I mean, I had those little flings. And then I ended up seeing another guy that I I knew from years ago, from when I was 18. For me, it was just lust, it was just sex. And this went on for like nine months. And it was, I was, really ruthless when I think back about you know think back into it I was really ruthless I was just like no this is it I just want a bit of fun don't plan anything you know he wants to plan my birthday plan holidays like no and I think yeah when you when you experience a breakup like that you do become hard you know and yeah and I was always worried that maybe that's it for me I'm going to be this really hard bitch of a woman But it's not the case. I'm now with somebody else and I feel totally different, you know.
0: (laughs) I think it's a little bit for me, it felt like I was protecting myself as well. It's like I can still get everything I want from a relationship, which I thought at the time was just sex and some intimacy. But I don't have to emotionally connect because I'm in charge. Do you think you felt like that?
2: Oh, absolutely. 100%. You know, yeah, we we would go on dates, we'd go on dinner dates, we'd have sex and stuff, you know, and that's it. I didn't, I didn't want to plan the future. And I, yeah, I, I felt exactly the same as you, absolutely.
0: And I, I can really relate to you saying about the shopping sprees because I remember having this moment standing on, on a tube, it was the district line, don't know why I remember that, but I was standing on the tube station platform and I was, the tube was going past and I was looking at my reflection in the tube. And I just thought, oh, my God, I look like such a wife and I don't want to look like that anymore. And then I had all these dreams of, like, shaving my head and, like, I have tattoos anyway, but getting more tattoos yeah. and, like, buying leather trousers. And like, basically I wanted to go shopping to to just revamp me and do a new me.
2: Sounds like you were going through a midlife crisis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, I think post-divorce I was, like, I've realised – in the marriage, I think I tried to be a wife uh, of what I thought that would be. And that just wasn't me at all. And then I'd lost myself. And I think after that breakup, I was like, oh, I can find myself or just recreate a new me. And uh, luckily, I didn't shave my head because I really like my hair as it is right now. Yeah, you've and got I think nice I, hair. <laughs> I think I would have regretted it. But I definitely had that urge to kind of revamp me from the outside which maybe is similar to your shopping sprees
2: yeah definitely I did that's it I wanted to revamp my body you know I just wanted to feel sexy and fanciful really
0: (laughs) well I'm sure so many people can relate to that and but you you say you spent like eight grand on a seven-day holiday. Did you get yourself five in trouble? Five-day holiday. <laughs> Sorry, five <laughs> days. Did you get yourself in trouble financially at that time? Oh,
2: my God, yeah. I think I'm still paying off my credit cards now. <laughs> yeah oh gosh yeah well because at the time you know I was earning decent money it also helped me to to be able to walk away from my marriage and not
0: put up with it anymore it's interesting I think we obviously both come from a privileged position of we were able to break up with that person and both be earning enough money to survive on our own but it's funny you say that you spent loads on your credit card I was in a job at the time which is I was earning a regular decent wage I was performing in the West End and you know it was a good theatre performer's salary and my I remember my idea going into it was to like save all this money for the house and stuff and I didn't I spent all of it during my DFF Uh, and, and everything but yeah I'm the same as you I don't regret it I just feel very lucky that I was able to do that and I had the resources to to do it
2: I I found it easy to walk away because I was earning really good money and at the time I just thought you know I've got a choice I either stay in a, a marriage that's that I'm feeling very miserable about and you know I don't trust my husband anymore or I can just say right you know what enough is enough
0: and so you made that decision you broke up you had your DFF how did you come out of that? Was there a moment or was it gradual?
2: There was a moment. I guess when I came back from LA and, you know, spending time with that guy and we kind of had this kind of texting relationship going on. It was like, it wasn't going to work out. I wasn't going to go to LA. He, he wasn't going to move to London. I thought, what's the point, you know? And I was just like, felt a bit empty and lost inside. I guess I was using him as a, like a, as a crutch really, you know, to make myself feel good. And, and then all of a sudden I didn't have that anymore. I cut that off. So I'm punishing myself too at the same time. And um, I just thought, right, you know what, enough is enough. I have to, because I, you know, I was crying again, you know, because I kind of hit a brick wall and I just thought, you know what, I really do need some help here. And I found a a therapist, a very good one. And I remember showing up at his place and he said to me, he said, what is it that you want to achieve out of this? You know, what's your goal? I said, I just want the hurt and pain to stop. You know, I want it to go away and I just want to stop crying. I was just, I, do, I remember just sitting there, just crying, crying, crying. Anyway, it took like five sessions and another guy to walk into my life and I was absolutely fine again. <laughs> it's pretty much it. <laughs> so
0: do you think, obviously people say you have to to get over someone, you have to get yeah, under someone. Under
2: some, it's very true. <laughs> absolutely i believe in that 100 it does
0: help <laughs> um i think i think for me it helped with the with the sex and feeling sexy again because i yeah. think i'd lost that bit of me so it really helped for that but then personally i felt like i haven't been in a relationship i've just had lots of um fun times but i feel like now i need to work on myself before i can have a proper relationship was it difficult going into a relationship sort of you mean
2: a real one
0: yeah (laughs) like straight like out of your dff
2: well i guess having that guy in between that i had that was i was pretty awful too the new york Um,
0: guy is this
2: no 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 this uh, this other guy um the new york guy he only lasts like five months but this other guy that i was seeing like for like nine months I mean, we had a great time, you know, don't get me wrong, we, we had a fun time, but that's all I wanted. And then it got to a stage like, you know what, I'm done. You know, he was getting too attached. And I didn't like the direction he was going because I just knew that I wasn't going to change my mind. He wasn't the right person for me. I knew that. And then this, this, this guy that I'm seeing now, we kind of knew each other anyway. Then he ended up being single and then I was single and then we went out on a couple of dates and... And it just felt different. It felt different. I didn't rush into it, you know. I just thought, no, you're not going to be part of my DFF. I don't want my DFF anymore. So we took our time. We took, You know, we took it slow. And um, and we're still together nearly two years on. So
0: It's very interesting. A lot of the people I talk to that are in a new sort of long-term relationship after their divorce or remarry is with someone they've known for years and years and years. Why do you think that is?
2: I don't know it's it's quite common yeah, you're right but then saying that the the guy that I'm seeing now I didn't know him for for years and years I just met him like that year to mutual friends but the one before him the the nine monther the nine monther I've known him since I was eighteen so that didn't last so.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if we're just looking around us for for something when we need it and then if you have a single friend that you've known for ages, you're like, well, they seem nice. It's worth a try.
2: Exactly. I mean, it is kind of, well, that's what I did, but I I wasn't ready for a relationship. That was the thing with me. I last thing I needed right then was um, go back into a relationship and start planning the future with somebody. I just wasn't ready. I, I was too selfish.
0: And you've mentioned the word selfish a couple of times. And, and I think, I think I felt selfish after my divorce. And I think now I am still selfish, maybe less selfish, but I'm sort of, I feel like I've come to terms with that word and I'm not scared of being selfish anymore. How do you feel about the word?
2: I love it. <laughs> I absolutely love it. And that's what I say to my friends that are going through a difficult time with their their partners. I'll, and I'll say, you know, just be selfish. Think about yourself. I, the thing is, because I... I still live on, I live on my own. I I have the kids. So I can be selfish here, you know, but I can also be generous and fair and loving to, with, with my boyfriend. But whilst I'm in my own home, you know, I can, I can be who I want to be, you know, and I don't have to answer to anybody. You know, if I want to stay out all night, I can stay out all night. If I want to go to Selfridges and blow a grand, I can do that. You know, I can be selfish.
0: It's the ad break. So it's a perfect time to remind you to hit subscribe to be notified about more episodes. You can also leave us a lovely review because honestly, it makes a difference to the chart positions. And one time I was in the charts next to Michelle Obama and I was really thrilled about it. So it'd be nice to do that again. You can also join in the conversation on social media. We're on Twitter and Instagram at DivorcePod. We have a website, thedivorcesocial.com. And you can also join us for our like 90s style divorce chat room experience over on Patreon. So just go to patreon.com forward slash Samantha Baines, B-A-I-N-E-S, and it starts at £2 a month. And we all have lovely and awful and amazing chats. See you there. Through all of that kind of You know, you said you had those relationships, you had your DFF, you did shopping sprees and then started seeing a therapist. Do you remember a particularly difficult moment? Because I always talk about my like crying on the slate floor, face down moment. Do you remember a really hard time? I do. And it still makes me upset when I
2: think about it. I think when The Truth finally came out via text, when I was on a flight to one of my crazy trips to Ibiza, my husband then, you know, confessed that I was white all along. And I flew out to Ibiza and I had to go straight to a big dinner. And I just remember having this text and I was trying to put it at the back of my back of my mind. And I had the dinner and then the next day we went to the beach with my daughter because I brought my daughter with me. And I remember sitting in the car, listening to some music and my friend pulled over into a petrol station and I literally opened the car door and I felt like I was going to be sick, and I had this big rush all over me. I think it was like listening to songs on the radio, and like just having that time to think. You know, as she's driving, we weren't speaking, and as all it started flooding back to me what you know what was really happening, what what's really going on. And I remember jumping out of the car, and I remember falling to the floor, and I was in, I was just sobbing, and I was like. It was like this weird cry that was—it's was really strange cry. It just felt really dark and evil. Like, what has he done? It just hit me. What has he done? This, you know, this stupid idiot. Um, and he'd already—he he was already out of the house by then, anyway. But the fact that I was right all along and what he put me through—and it was—it was just really painful. It was very, very painful and very hurt. And my my daughter jumped out of the car, and we were just like sitting on the floor in his petrol station just hugging each other crying and it was was such a moment very sad very sad but that was probably one of my one of my toughest moments
0: and how did it feel the idea that you knew all along you'd been told that you were wrong and finally you got that confirmation was it relief or was it anger or
2: it wasn't so much relief i think it was more i think it was more anger actually i was angry i was angry with him and i felt really let down by him because obviously you know my position you know as being his you know partner like used to be his manager and stuff like that he used to involve me i felt really disappointed and obviously being his wife supporting him and his project i never once told him to stop working with her i never did Although I suspected, and I, and, and I never, I never did that. And I thought, if you're gonna, if this is really happening, then I can't do anything about it. I'm, you're gonna have to, you, you, you know, you just carry on doing what you're doing. But the truth will come out, and you know, it, and it obviously did. But um, I just felt really let down because I was supporting him in his his work, his career, and I, I was, I was really sad about that. Really, I just felt like he just took advantage of me
0: you know so you said you saw a therapist and I think getting therapy after my divorce I've always had therapy but after my divorce was really useful how did you recover other than therapy was there anything that worked particularly well for you
2: I think therapy and being around friends and this is why I came up with the idea of mending hearts really because you know I was thinking gosh you know I'm I'm quite fortunate you know I'm financially independent Um, there's going to be a lot of other women out there well and men that may not be in that position you know and I was thinking if there was only you've got all these yoga retreats and if only there was a retreat for people that were suffering from grief or heartbreak you know Um, and that's where I came up with the idea because I think like you know therapy was it was very useful for me and also having a you know, a really strong network of friends around me, they really helped me and supported me. You know, they kept me out at night. (laughs) They kicked me on the wine (laughs) and the gin and tonics, you know, (laughs) and that really helps, you know, you, I think you really need that, you know, And and there's a lot of people out there that don't have that. They don't have that support because, you know, you, you, you tend to give up a lot of friends When, when you go into a marriage. So that's, that's what I wanted to create. I wanted to create, create a a space where people can start the healing process and, and meet new friends and be part of a community and get all that support from one another that, you know, from people that have gone through similar experiences.
0: It's interesting, actually, the amount of people who've been through a divorce and then want to try and make other people's experiences better. You know, I set up this podcast to try and do that. You've set up Mending Heart. You know, it's it's really interesting that we feel like we want to help the other people who are going to go through it.
2: I mean, it's a terrible thing to go through, isn't it? It's not it's not easy. It's really rough. It's a really rough journey. So, you know, by you know, if we can, you know, reach out to people and help help them, just let them know, look, you're going to be okay you know, you will be okay. Because when you're in that, you just don't think that you just you just can't see any light at the end of the tunnel. And it can take years, it can take years to recover. So um, yeah, it's it's good to like, I love it when people, you know, I meet all these new people like at the retreat. And, you know, we share stories and stuff like that. And it's it's, it's, it's really nice. I like it. I enjoy it. So there is something good that can come out of divorce.
0: And what do your retreats look like? How does it work?
2: So it's um it runs across four days, four days and four nights. And we you know, we have daily group therapy each morning. But on the first day, which is really important, because we need to get the group bonding before they go into group therapy because they don't know each other. So we have like a painting session. So when they arrive, they have like a one-to-one assessment. And then we will split the groups up. One, one group will have one to one assessment and another group will go off and do a self portrait, paint a self port, a paint portrait of themselves in Picasso style whilst drinking a, a glass of Prosecco. So we call it Picasso and Prosecco.
0: Have you ever had people getting together at your retreats? Cause it sounds like broken hearts all together. Well,
2: we did actually in the first one. Yeah. We had a couple of people like, um, that kind of connected. I don't know if they're still seeing each other now, but um, that was
0: nice to see. I love that. And so for you and for your future, do you think you'd ever get married again?
2: I guess, yeah, I do. I I like that idea. Yeah, why not? I, you know, I'm a big romantic. So yeah, maybe one day, not just yet.
0: <laughs> Is there anything you'd put in place this time round, <gasps> knowing what you know now, having been through a divorce?
2: I'm not sure if if I put something in place but I think as we're you know because we're older we're a lot more mature you know when we we, you know we get married we we got married when we were young right we're in our 20s I think you've learned you'll learn a lot you've you've learned a lot from your first marriage and you know I don't think we'd rush into it so quickly and, and yeah would I put anything in place I'm not so sure about that um I think I don't think I could have stopped what 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 happened anyway you know that's one of those things if if it's going to happen it's going to happen you know and I that's why I I never stopped them working with each other because it was already happening you know
0: it was too late. I was just thinking financially like your own bank always keep your own bank account or would you do a prenup or any of those?
2: I would be okay with having a prenup it make, it makes it it makes sense right because i think the financial side of things can get really messy yeah i mean i have you know i I've, I've, I've got my properties and you know whoever i'm with or whoever i might marry will have his things you know i wouldn't want his things you know if we if we, if we got married and then got divorced I, I don't think i i deserve that you know
0: and do you remember a moment where you thought i'm going to be okay this is all going to be good. Maybe I'm glad I got divorced. Now, <laughs> great.
2: I think it. I think it now. Um, I say that in my retreats when I speak to to, to you know the attendees. Um, that is probably the best thing that ever happened to me because I'm really really happy now. I'm, I'm, I love my life. Um, I have a really fantastic new partner, and without my divorce, I wouldn't be where I am now. So yeah. I think it's a, it's a, it can be a good thing as well.
0: Brilliant. Well, thank you so much. I've really enjoyed our chat.
2: Yeah, I've really enjoyed it too. <laughs> I could sit here all day actually. I know. Keep <laughs> chatting
0: divorce. Um, where can people find out more about you and your retreats?
2: Well, you can find out for my social media, Mending Hearts Retreat, or my website, MendingHeartsRetreat.com.
0: Brilliant. Definitely check it out. Thank you. Thank you so much. Oh, hi. Thank you for listening to The Divorce Social with me, Samantha Baines. Please leave us a review. Please, please. Um, It would be super nice. They're lovely to read. They keep me cheery and happy and keep me going. Uh, But also it affects our listing. podcast charts, uh, which are very important because that's how more people find the podcast. And I'd love to help more people get through those really tough heartbreak and divorce times. And they're more likely to find us if we're higher up on the charts. So if you'd like to leave a review, I'd love you forever. You can leave them on iTunes is the big one, or most podcast platforms do them as well. I'll take all the reviews you've got to give. You can also uh, get in contact on twitter and instagram at divorce pod and at samantha baines we have a website the dot and we have a patreon account which means the use